welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And now it's my pleasure to welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Gary Danielson, lead analyst for the SEC on CBS. Gary, the scene in Baton Rouge, LSU players flooding the field, a big win for Ed Odron, this staff, this roster. Where in your mind or how, where did things change uh, from the Auburn getting out to the early lead to LSU being able to climb back and eventually win the game? Uh, I thought the dropped interception probably was the play of the game that allowed LSU to go in at halftime and believe that, uh, you know, they had, they were within range uh, to, to come back. Um, and then I believe uh, Auburn got a little cocky about their ability to not take a lot of risk and continue to pound the ball against LSU because LSU really started gambling on defense. They played bump and run. And I thought, when the scoreboard was showing nine points, I, I thought that was a, a lot of temptation for Gus Malzahn. He, he's looked up there and he goes, okay, nine points. That means it's more than a one possession game. They're not doing anything against us. We, you know, they hit one big play when our safety didn't fill the gap properly. I don't believe they can score twice. And if I can steal one more touchdown and make this a 16 point game, it's over. And I think that temptation just kind of got the Auburn staff's eye off the ball a bit. Because uh, in reality, they only needed a field goal. And in reality, uh, they were so hard-headed about you know, trying to continue to run the ball when there were maybe safer throws. Uh, and it's like in basketball, uh, they kept shooting threes when uh, they were overplaying the three and just driving to make a layup. You only need a layup right. to win the game. And... Uh, you know, when that happens, the other team needs to make a play. And, you know, unfortunately, you guys know my philosophy about this, about sports. You know, I've played it a, a long time, and I, I think differently than other people. I'm not a big momentum guy. I'm a, you know, Nick says it differently. He's a process guy. I'm a, you know, just keep playing. It's a long game. Um, the ebb and the flow of the game moves in and out all the time. The the feeling that you have momentum on your side, it to me is fool's gold. And it, it, it puts coaches in a, in a bad frame of mind that, that they're in control of the game. When in reality, the play is the play and you have no advantage. There's no current that's drifting you in one direction and you're swimming downstream. And to believe in that also was like voodoo. And, and I thought that's where Auburn got caught up in this twice. They felt that they had momentum on their side when in reality, you don't have any advantage. You may think you do, you don't. And then after the punt return, they felt it's almost like believing in voodoo. It can, it can hurt you. They started to feel that the momentum has shifted and they needed to grab it back. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they, they went right down a rat hole and it cost them a game they should have won. And it's a really tough game for them to, I think, blow. I, I blow the game. I, I think, you know, they had control of the football game. They were the superior team and uh, they allowed LSU to get off the mat and it's going to really hurt this uh, Auburn football team this season. So do you think that Auburn offensively, you mentioned they sort of um, 
you know, played conservative and and almost choked it away a little bit. But is is it is is that the extent of the problems with Auburn offensively, or are there bigger issues you think in terms of just the way they approach the offense that could could hurt them as we move beyond LSU? Well, Gus is Gus. There's no doubt about that. But he's also the same guy that came back from 24 points down against Alabama. You know, when they won that football game too. So he's a run play action chunk throwing offense. I don't even know if they have an intermediate passing game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if they practice picking up the complicated blitzes from four, I mean from five and six man protections, you know, reading hot with receivers and running backs. I don't even know if they have that in their system. If they do, Gus would never tell you or or admit to it either way. Um but it was a a little more complicated than them being conservative. They, you know, they believe their running game was strong, and they also believe off their running game it's one play away from a touchdown. And you know, they they got that uh, in that game. And I I thought it was more that just being conservative, it was being outlandishly gambling. <laughs> you know, I mean, what are you doing? You don't need fifty yard plays. Yeah. You need a twelve yard play. And I I thought they. Uh, I thought they had a bad game coaching. I have to be honest. I mean, you know, their defensive game plan was sound on a double motion when the receiver went back and forth. Their safeties actually was their backup safety. Nick Ruffin did not follow the game plan. It's, it, I, 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 you know, I, I probed the game plan. I knew what it was against the jet sweeps. It was a very sound, something that Florida did not do. They had it. They made one mistake. It's almost like playing against an option team assignment football and when you make a mistake it was a big mistake and it cost him a big run but also you know towards the end of the game I mean they throw a three-yard pass and Carlton Davis one of their best football players gambles on a three-yard pass at the, you know at the end of the half there not at the end of the game the end of the half I mean there's no way that Danny Etling and LSU is going to drive the ball 10 plays and score on you but if you give them a 40-yard play they might and, uh, you know, on a three-yard safe pass, they give them 40-yard plays. So they had a couple breakdowns, and, man, it's a, such a different feel for this Auburn football team now than, than escaping w- with what I thought should have been a pounding against LSU. Do you think that LSU has grown up at all? Um, is this a young team that has a chance to continue to get better? Well, I will say this. Boy, they're loaded for next year. Yeah. And they're really young I mean, what they did playing without both offensive tackles is akin to what, you know, Alabama had to do. Remember against Colorado State when they were playing with all the linebackers and, 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 and Nick talked about how difficult that is to have injuries at one position and have to play freshmen. And they were playing players that weren't even on the depth chart. And, you know, they come away with a, the win. Uh, I do think their future long term is bright. Ed Ogeron will be a good recruiter. He'll start to throw that fence up around LSU and get some of those players that they weren't, you know, that were letting get out of, um, you know, Louisiana and, and keep them there. They don't look the same as they did four or five years ago, but there's an edge forward for them. Um, I, and I think they've turned the corner on how hard they play. Um, you know, I thought LSU had had 
subconsciously trickled into a dangerous area. I saw it at Ohio State years ago, where the goal of Ohio State's recruits was to use Ohio State to get to the next level. And, and, and Ohio State was just you know, passing through. And it, and it started to struggle in football-wise. It was under Coach Cooper. And then I thought Jim Trestle did a great job of coming back and, and making it important and a destination to play for Ohio State. And I had that same feeling. You know, more players have gone through LSU into the NFL right now than any other school. We, you know, we, we give Alabama all the credit. They had a lot of draft choices, but a lot of their players aren't sticking. The LSU players have 50 in the NFL right now. And I, I thought they kind of lost track. Maybe it was because of all the rumors over Les Miles and whether he's staying or going. But I thought, you know, the Florida game, they started to, uh, again, play for LSU. And I also thought it was great to see the 2007 team there. The players didn't see it, but the fans did. And I think the one area that a fan can't live with is a, a players who don't care about the school. They understand that they have to take care of their own you know, future, but they have to play for the school too. Let's call it equally. Right. And I think that may be back at LSU. And, and that's something, you know, you see Eddie, everybody makes fun of him where he goes, go Tigers at the end of it, every interview. But, you know, that's what he's trying to bring back to the room is that years from now, and I do know this is true. When I talk to college kids, I, I tell them this, okay? Listen, we all want it to be NFL players. And I know everyone in this room does, okay? And, and wherever you're at, okay? But trust me, long after you're done with your NFL career, the days you'll remember the most fondly are your days in college and those teammates where you all left home together and lived together for the first time and you grew up together and you were in a program together. It'll mean as m more to you than being one of those, you know, NFL players that goes from city to city to city earning a paycheck. And if LSU can get that back, it'll be huge for their program. What about as you're looking at the SEC West, Auburn takes, as you mentioned, a really tough loss for their season. You still right. have the Georgia game. You still have Alabama. LSU strings a couple of wins together. Texas A&M goes Texas in. Texas A&M won't be easy for them either, by the way. And I know you're headed there. That'll be a tough game for Auburn. Where do you, where do you grade the Aggies right now uh, coming off what was – uh, a low-scoring, tough, but I, I think a good, strong win for this Kevin Sumlin program. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody you – know, listen, I, I, I thought uh, Gus Malzahn was doing a really good job this year. I, I think we might have talked about this on the podcast last week, you know, about how the coaching is down in the league. And I, and I go, well, I don't know about that. You know, Mark Stoops doing a good job at Kentucky. Will Muschamp's doing a good job at South Carolina. Gus Malzahn is doing a good job until – the second half, of, and if he right. would have strung that game along, he, you know, he would have been doing a good job there. He's going to have to fight now. But the other one, it's quietly is Kevin Sumlin. You know, that was a tough loss that that first loss against UCLA, good last play. And remember all the rumors he went through. Then he loses his starting quarterback, and he goes with a freshman, and he's, you know, those quarterback problems he's had for three or four years now since. He inherited Johnny Manziel and has never been able to recapture that. Um, this team is deeper. 
They're stronger. There's better defensive play. They're not a finesse football team anymore. Uh, they show up and, and, and play good uh, running the ball, stopping the run. So, yes, Kevin Sullivan might have been doing consi- all things considered in, in this league as good a job as anyone. And, um, you know, he still has to stare down the end of his season, which has been a big problem for him the last few years. But if he can grab, you know, three more wins, the, uh, you know, at least, uh, I, I think it'll be a major success. And I think it would be a huge mistake for A&M to move on from Kevin Sumlin. Among those those end-of-the-year games that he's got to figure out a way to win is, you know, Mississippi State will be tough, Auburn will be tough, right. and LSU will be They're tough. They're all tough. tough they are all tough. <laughs> and, and, and there's also Ole Miss in there, which is sort of this team yeah. that no one's really talking about, and it's hard. You know, they lost to Cal early in the year, and Alabama just killed them. And what do you make of Ole Miss? Like, is that a team that can give LSU some problems this weekend? Um, certainly they've got the passing game figured out. Yeah. You know, I, I dismissed Old Miss a little bit because I did see the Cal game, and I and I saw the formula for getting after Old Miss. Uh, they delayed blitz. Um, they just kept hitting uh, Patterson Shea number of times, and you know Alabama handled them so uh, uh, easily with almost the same formula. Um, but you're right. Anytime a quarterback can you know get a hot hand and shake and. Shea's going to complete some balls. There's no doubt about that. And their receivers are, you know, he's got about three of them. Just wonder, you know, defensively, can they, you know, if, if Texas A&M plays their game and makes it a complimentary football game where you have to control the clock, make first down, stop the run. Um, I've always felt that those wide open offenses of Texas Tech, Washington State, Missouri, um, they're fun to watch and they upset teams, but in the end, it's hard for them to go through this conference and put so much pressure on the quarterback. But in a one-game stand, yeah, you know, any anything could happen, and that's really the the tough out that Ole Miss is right now. You know, they like, oh boy, I hope we don't catch them too hot because it I, might be yeah. one of those, you know, forty-five, forty-one games. Uh, but for the most part, I think A and M's built enough to handle them. We'll see. Yeah, well, I I don't know if Danny Etling, you know, like that's where the LSU Ole Miss game is kind of fascinating because in the different ways that it could play out, if Ole Miss hits a couple big plays and suddenly right. puts, you know, 21 or 24, right. or 28 on the board, I don't know if LSU's offense can keep up. I, I think that's a great point, especially with how nicked they are in the offensive line. How, listen, uh, Williams and, and Geis are not 100%. Uh, yes, LSU's uh, defense handled Auburn, but I think they're going to get a different look from Ole Miss. Uh, it, it's an intriguing game. I will give you that. And, um, boy, it's, it's funny how this league, it's, it's, it's just so different. And I, and I think it's one of the problems of the whole league, by the way, um, that, you know, the up and down fan bases and their ability to get to their ability to get to the public with mm. their gripes is going to make a lot of coaches have second thoughts about whether they want to get into this rat race here. Cause is, it's a tough one. Is the it SEC is, rat race with head coach? Let, let me give you a perfect example. If um, your coach Brom 
uh, at uh, or, or or you're you're Franklin or Brom at Purdue, okay, or PJ Fleck at Minnesota in three years, okay, and you're making two and a half million dollars. Do you really want to take three and a half million dollars and coach at Texas A&M or mm. Auburn or Tennessee, where if you don't beat Alabama and LSU? You're going to come under the same criticism as everybody else. And, um, you know, there's not seem to be any patience. Any, it's not so much that they lost the game. What did we do wrong? It's my coach stinks. Mm. And it's a week-to-week thing. It's like yeah, it, it, it changes it's every way, week. way out of line. Most, you know, most of the fans are way too rabid uh, about their overreaction. Yeah. I'm I'm going to admit this, okay? There's no doubt that uh, Butch Jones, after five years with his last lack of success, over five years of getting the program up to look like how Georgia's looking this year, okay? Yeah, the fan base is not happy with that, and I think even Butch would understand that, okay? Uh, But, boy, every other week, you know, are you going to, like, roast a coach? Oh, no, he's a good coach. Now he's a bad coach. I think a lot of coaches are going to look at that and go, really, do I really want to dive into this? And it, it may be a problem for the SEC looking forward. Do you think that it'll continue to be a problem? Because I think that there's an interesting uh, bet, and I don't know what the timeline is, and I'm curious to see if it starts to become more of a conversation around the coaching searches in the Southeastern Conference, but is there a is there a room or a window of time where you think athletic directors are going to start to say, we can't beat Nick now, but Nick can't coach forever. Why don't you come and get it started so that when there's an opening in the pecking order, we'll be charged up and ready to go? Maybe. You know, <laughs> maybe. You know, I would, would let me, let, here's the question I have. If Nick Saban had to do it all over again and he was at Michigan State today, okay, and he had to take over a floundering Tennessee program, or he could stay at Michigan State, would he do it for an extra million dollars? Okay. Mm. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Mm. Now, there's always going to be a coach, you know, uh, Neil Brown, uh, Chad Morris. There's always going to be a young coach that'll do it. But will would, would a Brett Bielma ever leave again to do it? I'm like, not so sure. Like, would he leave Wisconsin knowing the challenge... Well, well, Ahead. Knowing the challenge in the SEC, there's seven schools in this conference that measure the success of their football program of being a national champion. Whereas in most of the other conferences, there's two, and they measure the success of their program competing for the conference championship, not the national championship. It's a big difference. Well, and there's sort of the, you know, the SEC, it used to be this, like the SEC is almost division you know, one, and then everyone else yes. is one A, <laughs> and Correct. and I feel like there's a little more of a feeling of parity conference to conference now, to where you age in the Big Ten or the ACC, and, and, and you don't have to I, be in the SEC. I think you've nailed that in the perce- in reality, right? But the perception of the fan bases is not that way. That's the distinction I'm trying to, to say. You know, if you're yeah. if you're at Texas A&M, LSU, Arkansas. Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee, okay? Your fan base is measuring you 
of contending for a national championship. Call up Mark Rick if you think I'm wrong. <laughs> no, that's absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the national championship contenders and fans that are frustrated with their coach, the SEC game of the week brings the Tennessee <laughs> Volunteers uh, to Tuscaloosa to face Alabama. Tennessee coming off a 15-9 to loss to South Carolina. Uh, Alabama rolling through Arkansas. Uh, as, as we start to get into this matchup, Gary, one that certainly looks like Alabama has many of the advantages. The quarterback change, what was your grade for Jarek Guarantano in his first start? I think he passed. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I, I mean, it's 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 not all uh, Jared. I mean, I I think there's plenty. Of, I've seen plenty of quarterbacks come in in their first few games and play like Jared has. I mean, he's a legitimate Division One quarterback, you know. But uh, so was many others. Okay, uh, that have come in and played a good game. Okay, they haven't scored in ten quarters. All right, um, but flap it around from the other side for a minute here. Um, for Alabama in the year of the quarterback in the SEC, Alabama has drawn a very interesting schedule. Okay, you know, first of all, there are two crossovers, Vandy and Tennessee. Okay, boy, okay, that that was nice. All right, now Ole Miss is really down this year. Uh, they pounded uh, Mississippi State uh, against Arkansas. They don't face Austin Allen, they face Cole Kelly. So on back-to-back-to-back games, they're going to face first start Cole Kelly from Arkansas, Jared Garantano in his first road game, and then after a week off, they're going to face a great kid and a, and a tough battler. And you know, I'm not taking anything away from Danny Etling with a, a, a very, let's put a challenged offense for LSU. I mean, on an e- Who's going to challenge this Alabama team in this conference? You know, I mean, are, I, I doubt if Florida can. I mean, for goodness sakes, if Florida upsets Georgia and somehow gets to the championship game, you know, that'll be a challenge. Let me put it that way. Okay, so it's Georgia with a true freshman quarterback, it seems, and everybody else, uh, you know, that they're going to try to play them. And. You know, Jared in Tennessee is going to have a tough I, we, I've been doing this for 12 years in the SEC, and we get first pick every week of the game. We've never had a lopsided uh, a game like this that we've gone into in all the years I've done it. Um, you know, Vanderbilt was a 19-point underdog. Yeah. <laughs> seems, like a, and, seems like last season, and that was that yeah. was. Yeah, and, and just as another, I, I do think that, and I don't, I don't care about betting and all that. Point, point spreads are, are put up there. For how they feel people will put their money half on one side and the other. I get all that, okay? But I think this week's point spread is not, not interesting to me as in a betting form. It's interesting to me in if you're a Tennessee fan. Because I think there might be as much of an embarrassment this week as a Vol fan over the week leading up to the game being a, you know, a 5 touchdown underdog as there was to the six games they've already played. I mean, like, and I, and I think that's the tough part if you're Butch Jones right now, you go, Holy cow. Not only were, were my fans upset with the way we played, 
even our wins. Okay, we beat Georgia Tech. Uh, that you know nobody was happy after that game. We beat in, in Indiana State. Nobody cared about that one. And we snuck through UMass. And we, you know, our three wins weren't even pretty, let alone our losses. But maybe worse than that. It, it, and, and let me add, and they give up a hail mary to lose a game. And they've got the ball inside the twenty. What three times against South Carolina it's can't can't score a touchdown, but maybe tougher for Vol fan than all of that is for a whole week looking at a thirty-five point underdog to Alabama. That big number, it's deflating. Do you think that it's, Tennessee, defla- you- it's deflate? That's exactly the word. It's deflating to your fan base. Do you think the team will show up? Like, or could yeah, you see? This I do. Being- I always believe they play hard. I always, I never question how hard NFL athletes play or kids play. Yes, and and do I think it's a listen? Stanford beat USC under Jim Harbaugh. Iowa State beat Oklahoma. There are no guarantees, you know, that Alabama might not turn it over three, four, five times or miss some easy passes or, you know, uh, the formula that Lane Kiffin used where he slowed the game way down with Jonathan Crompton and ran about nine bootlegs and figured out a way to, to slow it down into the second half where Alabama fan base starts to get, you know, restless and Nick gets restless and, you know, they the pressure moves to the other. Anything can happen. I, that's not what I think is the... I think the tougher part for the Vol fan is even if we win, if Tennessee wins, it's an outrageous upset of maybe the last 10 years. Gosh, Tennessee does not look at their program that way. That if we are fortunate enough to somehow beat Alabama, it's an upset of the highest magnitude. I think that's the big story. Gary, I got to give you a ton of credit. So two weeks ago, you basically convinced Chip and I that LSU was going to show up to Florida and be ready to play. And you sort of changed our minds. Last week, you said LSU was going to show up at Auburn and be ready to play. And I got to be honest with you. I said, this guy's crazy. I still still (laughs) felt like Auburn was going to blow him out. And then sure enough, LSU wins the game. Is there any chance Tennessee actually – I mean, do you have an expectation in terms of whether Tennessee will actually show up and make this a competitive game for four quarters? I'd be really surprised, I have to admit, um, yeah. this one. I just don't see where they have the firepower to match them. You know, where, where do they go? The receivers have a tough time getting any separation. How many 50-50 balls can you throw? You know, um, And that's kind of – if you play in Alabama, that's sort of – that has to be part of the, the recipe, it, right? you got to win it, some of those downfield balls. You do, but you also have to be able to hold up uh, in at the offensive line and 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 stop the run. You know, Tennessee's given up. You know, they're what they're ranked 122nd in the run now. I may you know maybe a little distorted because of the Georgia Tech opening game. I get that, but you know, to even it seems like to even make it a game, you have to be able to slow down Alabama's running attack now. The one thing I think that Alabama has going for them is all the upsets that happened a week ago. You know, they're looking over there going, look at look at all this stuff that's happened. I mean, you know, Nick is pointing out the fact that, you know, Clemson, no, you know, a week ago when we were doing this podcast, I don't know if it was you guys exactly, but everybody else I did interviews with said, well, 
clearly Alabama and Clemson are uh, you know, a <laughs> notch above everybody else in the country. And every, you know, who's the next best team? Let's just separate them. They're you know, we know they're great. I think and we're I guilty think of that. <laughs> yeah, and and I think what Nick has been able to show them is really, you think you guys don't have to work? You think you're unbeatable? Just check what happened, you know, to Oklahoma. Check what happened, you know, to uh, Clemson. So. I think he's got that going in his favor, and I also think he's got going in his favor that they got a buy coming up. He can go just lay it on the line, give me a week, and you got some time to to take off before we go down the the back half of the season. What about? I, I think. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna. Did you have something else on this game, Chip? Well, I just as we're as we're starting to play Alabama out, you know the the it's it's tough to nitpick because of the competition but you know where where are the points where you nitpick Alabama I think they're in it still have an inability to throw the ball over the middle of the field when they have to uh if somebody can play them tough like you know listen Auburn's a legitimate defense there's there's no denying that they missed Trey Williams last week they're in their linebacker and and I thought that hurt them their their weakest part of their uh, defense is I don't think they have the elite linebackers that Georgia and Alabama do. I think they match up uh, almost you know man for man on the defensive fronts uh, four or five, whatever they use in that game, three, four, five. And I think they match up pretty well in the secondary with most everybody, but their linebackers, you know, they're above average and they're good players, but they're not elite uh, the way you know uh, Alabama and Georgia is. So. Um, you know, I think, you know, Auburn can give them a game. I, 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 I believe that because they can, you know, stop the run. And then can Alabama do this year what they couldn't do last year against the elite talent of Clemson when they're having a tough time running the ball? Can they throw the ball 12 yards over the middle of the field? And right now, Jalen Hurts is still not taken, in my mind, that next step. You know, and he can do it when it's easy. He can do it when they're in control of the game. Can they do it, you know, like McElroy and McCarron uh, and even Coker and Blake Sims did under pressure at the end of the game, throwing the ball? We all know he can run the ball. But if, it, if it's up for a time when they have to throw the ball, that might be their one Achilles heel. During your game, I don't know if you'll get a chance to watch this one, but I think one of the most fascinating games on the SEC slate this weekend is this Kentucky-Mississippi State yes. show up. Yes. I mean, look, if Kentucky wins this game, they're staring 10-2 and two between the eyes. Like, th- th- this is a, a Kentucky team that's sort of sneaking up on people, and Mississippi State, you know, we've had we've seen the good and the bad there. I'm curious how you view this game, how you view these teams. What, what's, what's sort of your, uh, your impressions yeah. on what to expect here? As I mentioned, you know, we, everybody talks about the inferior coaching going on in the SEC. I mean, there's a perfect example. Again, Mark Stoops, the job he's doing at Kentucky is really good. We all don't know what Dan Mullen has done at Mississippi State, building those two- and three-star recruits over three or four years to making them, you know, the legitimate SEC players. Um, I do agree. It's a fascinating game. Uh, you know, I have a, a close friend who's connected with the Eastern Michigan uh, football team, who witnessed the Kentucky-Eastern Michigan game, and he felt Eastern Michigan physically stood up Kentucky the whole game. And, uh, you know, I th- that was surprising to me. You know, that was a very close game, could have gone either way, but they handled them. I think um, 
Kentucky that week only rushed for less than 100 yards against Eastern Michigan, which was, you know, used to be called Ypsilanti High back when Michigan was running, basically. Okay, so yeah. uh, their their team. So um, it'll be an interesting game. You know, Mississippi State is still a bit one dimensional. If uh, Nick Fitzgerald isn't running the ball really effectively, you know, uh, people have been able to stop them. You know, Georgia had a game plan against them. You know, and handled them. So. Um, I, it is a fascinating football game. Think about it. I mean, Kentucky is basically two blown coverages of not a lot, not even covering a receiver twice for beating Florida and being in the driver's seat, you know, coming into that Georgia game at the end of the year of matching up. So yes, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to believe we talk about, uh, Kentucky football still being, uh, relevant but this is really a, a i think a pivot point game for them in the season big time game that game uh four o'clock but you of course will be watching uh tennessee at alabama the sec on cbs game of the week three thirty eastern time kickoff two thirty locally from tuscaloosa in bryant denny stadium uh gary thank you so much we'll be watching okay thanks guys appreciate it